0: back with another 100 proof episode with kevin myself derek and our uh, newest guest eric Calderone, aka snowfro aka creator of the squiggle aka creator of art eric hey, it's everybody. great to have you
1: on the show buddy thanks for having me it's such a pleasure to be here guys so glad you're here this is awesome and we're gonna talk you into doing some mints by the end of the episode, I think. <laughs> oh my
2: gosh. You know, I was thinking earlier the last time I talked on a on a podcast with you, Kevin, was pretty early on in this whole in this whole
1: this whole journey. It's pretty well yeah. where we've been in the last since the last podcast. It'd be fun to go back and listen to that episode and just see what's changed. Because oh, I, I have. Was... I cringe so hard. I oh, really? Listen predictions really most offered. Most of the things, this, most of what I listen to these days, what I, if
2: I ever go back or somebody's like, hey, remember this? I'm, I, I'm cringing. But there was one thing that I thought was really, really cool, which is that, you know, we talked about IKEA um, printing, you know, generative posters. And I, mm-hmm. and I think we're so much closer today than we were back then. Like back then, it seemed like this, like, pipe dream um, for the future. And now I think we're actually, like, it's not actually that
1: far out that, that that's we do exciting. something at that scale. So, yeah. I'm curious, um, you know, when I think about how we get just uh, hassled in general, like people come up and they're like, oh, I love Moonbirds," like proof, blah, blah. And like, that's awesome. I love that going to events. You have a problem in that you still haven't minute out all the crummy squiggles. <laughs> how many people hit you up and are like, dude, is there, can I just get one? Like, is that, is that a, like a pain in the ass for you? It's a thing. It's not a pain in the ass.
2: Um, I'm 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 one that likes to say yes, so it's really hard for me. But uh, it's just everything's so public now and so transparent yeah. that it's just so much harder. Like it, people people have been like, "Hey, where did that one go?" I recently lost six chromie squiggles. Uh, I, I minted six for kind of like when I was going to Minneapolis for Vcon and I was in New York and I did all these like things. And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna run into inevitably." run into people that I want to have a squiggle like mm-hmm. Snoop or Jen Stark or whatever. And, um, I actually minted them to the wallet address that didn't, that the seed phrase didn't resolve to. And so I thought I had lost six creamy squiggles. Um, my amazing engineering team actually helped me figure it out. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Ben. Uh, and so I was able to recover them, but like, yeah, it's just like, there's, there's so much pressure and attention on every single one and then you have know, shit That happens, like what happened when we minted the last 50, where three of them were incredibly rare. Um, And it's just like every time that there's a more, a new rare one, someone else that thought they had a very rare one has a slightly less rare one. And so Mm. I have a moment of like panic, like, you know, I mean, it's inevitable. There are going to be more of those rare ones, but I have this moment of like, oh man, like that person bought something based on a rarity that we haven't fully figured out because we haven't fully figured out. Event. Like, what if there's a new, another HyperPipes, you know, there, there's already more HyperPipes than there should be. What if there were to be another HyperPipes and, you know, what does that mean for the four owners of HyperPipes today?
0: So well, it's, it's a little can wild. We, can we talk before we jump in? I mean, um, this is a current event show. This is a round table, yeah. but man, we've got the creator of the squiggle on with yeah. us, Kevin. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> with, yeah. With, we need to, we need to just like pick this dude's brain um and uh, and surface some of the conversations that um that we've been having uh with Eric and just uh, and just kind of like get this out there in the world so Eric as you think about you know something that's coming up for me in this conversation uh and we've chatted offline about this a few times but curious just to to lay it out um with this new information set of new mints coming out we're getting close to the end as the original creator of the project how did you think about rarity right like cuz we're we're seeing outputs that our visual, we're seeing outputs, uh, with rarity that are invisible. I guess when you were putting the piece together in its original form, how were you thinking about something like rarity for, for Chrome and There's something actually interesting here where it
2: wasn't until, um, maybe like a couple days before launch that I even, the concept of a hypervariant even existed in my mind. Like I manually programmed a hyper rainbow, which is just like the regular rainbow and I programmed manually the variants, the pipe, uh, the the bold, the fuzzy. And it wasn't until I ran the algorithm like thousands of times and saw a thousand results. So I was like, oh man, you can have a hypervariant. So that was actually never programmed, but inherently, I mean, it wasn't deliberately programmed. It just kind of came about. The hyperpipes, I, I specifically remember a tweet, someone saying, you know, technically there could be a hyperpipes. And I was like, there could be a hyperpipes. and this was like a few weeks before the first one minted, and then it landed. I, in, in my mind, had no idea that a hyperpipe could exist, or it didn't appear in all the thousands of outputs that I looked at. And I think that's something kind of cool about generative art. Then you add the harmonics which, you know, saw today a bunch of people um, or there was a post that included all the people that have uh, minted or own harmonics. Can you explain
1: that too, just for people that are listening that are like, okay, I I like Chroma but I don't know what this little jargon means. Like what what is a harmonic?
2: Harmonic is something, uh, so I I come from a a music background as well. And, you know, a harmonic is when uh, uh, you hit a a string just right, and it makes a very different sound that um, reverberates in a different way. And, uh, it usually is at the, as at the, at the same place of every string. And so I, in the, in the development of the Chromium squiggle, I always wanted to give people the ability to change the background color of the Chromium squiggle, mm-hmm. because, especially because this is a digital forward saying, sometimes having a bright white screen is actually kind of a nuisance, even if there's a squiggle in the middle, like if you're going to put this in your living room. And so I wanted to make sure that if somebody wanted it to be just like totally black with the squiggle in the middle, they could do that. Um. I also wanted to demonstrate how a algorithmic work could be interactive. So what I did is I made it to where if you press the space bar over and over, uh, you can change the background color. Then there's a trait called a, um, man, I got a bunch of those rings airdropped the other day too. Someone was like, man, do you really like these rings? <laughs> I <was> like, what? <laughs> oh,
1: you're um, looking at my screen right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing is I made this trade called ribbed, and the ribbed trade essentially kind of wraps a chromy squiggle with a just these kind of rings that are slightly bigger than the circles that make the squiggle itself. And those can be any color between 0 and 255, so any color between white and black. Um, a harmonic is when the rings around a uh, ribbed squiggle match exactly color-wise to the background color, one of the 10 predefined background colors. That's what's called a harmonic. So. If mm-hmm. you go to, um, you know, I guess based on like today's tweet, what number was that? Um, oh, I love this one of mine. This one's so good. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you got a really packed one. That one's probably got one of the higher um, uh, dot higher steps. Let me see here. Right. Number 9370.
1: Yeah. Tell me what number, number I can look it up for it. you. I can pull it up on. Uh, let me find it. Let me find it. Oh, 13, 1381. <laughs> 1381. Okay. Let's see here. Let's pull it up here so we can, there it is. Okay. All right. So, okay, so you, walk us through this one here. So if you
2: press the space bar.
1: Mm-hmm. Oops. I click on it first. Start people don't changing. know this, by the way. Most people don't know that this is even.
2: You see there's that, that space bar hit where it actually matched the exact color oh, of, the, interesting. of the shroud. Oh,
1: interesting. So it's so right that's what we're you kind get of,
2: right there. It's gone. That's yeah. it. So then all you have is like this
1: this glowing thing. Um, okay so this is called a harmonic right here yeah it's a it's something that wasn't planned right like it it's something that it so then i have one of these let me show you mine tell me if this is is a
2: lot of a lot of times there's the the one's called the ghost squiggle which is when it's pure white oh yeah you have a harmonic that's like built as a harmonic essentially yeah
1: because it's just it
2: starts out that way and it ends that way
1: that's so cool
2: yeah, so those are called harmonics, and that's just like a fun thing. You know, there's these uh, community-defined traits, like, you know, early on, the idea of a perfect spectrum and a full spectrum was a community-defined trait that um, has gotten a lot of uh, love and attention. And, you know, and then there's the camels um, that people have kind of like added that as a new community-defined trait.
1: Wait, so what's the camel? Let's look that they up. It just we... kind of
2: looks like, you passed a couple. Things oh, that I just kind of look like a little, uh, they have like, like a this little guy? hump in the back. It could be a little camely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that this one more more, cam- more like that one. Yeah, yeah, probably more like that one. I don't know. Squiggle out would would have very
1: strong opinions of what's camely for sure. You know, I think the, the fuzzy are um, are the sleepers in, in the whole space because they are absolutely love stunning fuzzy, on a black, especially background. black.
2: Yeah, or the dark gray. Yeah, I do love the yeah. fuzzy with the dark background. Um, in fact, the fuzzy at one point was actually, believe it or not, my least favorite of the variants and. Of course, when I say favorite, it's weird because I I wanted it to exist, right? So, of course, I love them all. And then as I started uh, releasing all these uh, squiggles that ended up on infinite object frames and I had to pick the background color for squiggles, uh, fuzzies actually kind of shot to the top of my list. I still love the rib. The rib is still kind of my favorite style, but um, fuzzies kind of um, have, have gained uh, a spot of more love than before. And then you have
0: these beasts. I love yeah, that a, bold. That's a, that good is a bold great value. <laughs> wow. Amazing, amazing bold. Cast. It's so awesome. awesome getting
2: to see your collection like this. It's it's cool. Yeah. So
1: cool.
0: Eric, um, you're talking about favorites here and we're talking about categories, but I'm oh, curious, oh. is there a favorite squiggle that you have found that either you own or that someone owns? Like something that you just absolutely I do. I have adore. one favorite. It's actually this one. Uh, what number is it, oh man? If I don't know the
2: number, this is the hard part right finding the number um so what it is it's a it's a rib squiggle that there was no. There's no holes. Let me see if I can pull it up, and you can look. At, you can pull it up on there. There's actually the ribs are so tight that they don't allow any color to come through whatsoever, except for at the open terminal on the end. So it's a perfectly gray squiggle, a perfectly gray squiggly line, uh, with a dot at the end. And one of the things that I would be so excited if it happened in the last 325 minutes of a squiggle would be if there was uh, a squiggle that happened the same way with no color showing through and also the terminal was closed because the ribbed, you can have an open terminal which shows color on the end and then you can have a closed terminal which doesn't show color on the end. It would be really awesome if a fully monochromatic or like a fully grayscale squiggle uh was minted considering the line is very colorful it's intended to be very colorful i would find that to be a thing of beauty um but the chances are so low i've never found another squiggle that has uh just like this one that doesn't have any other slots in it um what's derek what's
1: your, what's your account i want to pull it up so we can talk about your stuff where is do you have
0: oh man mine's in a mine's in a secret vault <laughs> uh, um really? but you, you can yours? look at it if you go to if you go to gallery.so backslash yeah. uh, you can see some of the squiggles that I put up there. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. I'll drop it in the the Riverside well, chat. Uh, here, I just dropped it in the in the chat. Okay, sweet, got it. And while while you're pulling that up, um, Eric, why do you think squiggles just like resonated? Like, what was it about the squiggle <laughs> that you think has has seen it? Um, act, I mean, uh, the origin story. It was like the instructional piece that you used to kind of demonstrate the the infinite variability that an algorithm could have. And married with a blockchain, you could show these outputs that could get created, um, that were almost infinite in their, in their ability to, in, in their aesthetic, uh, look, but then also in their technical rarity, but for whatever reason, the project has just kind of catapulted into mainstream culture. We see it on PFP projects. We see people, you know, um, th- there's squiggle Sunday, squiggle Saturday, there's just Everywhere you look, around there's a soccer, team wearing, wearing it, there's a soccer team wearing a circle jersey. That's, that's What's going on here, dude? Insane. Maybe like yeah. from the creator themselves, it would be really helpful to hear why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um,
2: man, I think it's a really tough question. This goes back to this book that you you uh, suggested, Derek, the twelve million dollars stuff shark, right? Like, um, there's a lot more to it than just the art, and I think that applies to any art. Um, I think that there is a huge amount of emphasis put into the story that kind of leads up to the creation of the squiggle, And then also a little bit of like my background in art, but then also, uh, I think my presence in this space, you know, the other day I I, I tweeted about, you know, my five year anniversary and someone responded, I don't know if they were being like facetious, but they were like five years. Yeah. Right. And I was like, no, actually it's like. Beyond five years, like I claimed cryptopunks in two thousand in June of two thousand and seventeen do the math I could just and mm-hmm. it's just been such a long journey but my my involvement in that journey has been very uh deep in the space you know i I, I onboarded i'd say hundreds of people into the cryptopunks project not just to buy twenty and thirty dollar cryptopunks but to like set up their first wallet and then uh you know advised a lot of projects um in the space as they were originally uh building predecessors to what you see today, like all the big projects that you see today. So I think just my presence in this space is kind of represented, um, uh, and I've, I've been fairly generous with my time, uh, with people and like just wanting to like get people involved and excited about the technology and excited about what's happening. And I think that, uh, that that's kind of embodied in, in the Chromium School it's this thing that's meant to make people smile. And like, there's nothing that made me smile more than, you know, some literally like I just the gorilla coming into the CryptoPunks Discord, being like, "What is all this shit? Like, who cares about these stupid drawings and pixel characters? And why would anybody pay two hundred dollars for this thing? Uh, and then getting to chat with them very calmly and collectively at, at 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 length about what it means to own a digital item for the first time, what it means mm-hmm. that somebody can copy it, but you can prove that you own it, what it means, you know, to in, in this new world where like you can receive uh, an offer on something that's not even for sale or you can list something in a way that doesn't rely on someone being able to like censor you and it just yeah it felt really um i feel like that all built up to where the squiggle kind of ended up representing that and when i when i created that definition you know it's kind of it i consider it like a personal signature as an artist and as a developer and as a tinker, like it, you know, when I, when I do sign stuff, I always get shit from people that it doesn't even look like I'm signing. I do, I do just sign like, (laughs) and so this is kind of like my signature too. And, um, but beyond that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of chance in that, right? Like there's no way that anybody, I, Derek, you know, you were early mentor of Squiggles. I remember alarming you at the potential for these to go to zero, uh, very early Mm -hmm. on. I ignored that warning. Yeah. Thanks. Um, (laughs) but I, I, you know, the, the, the opportunity to acquire one of these things for 10 bucks was really special, but even that felt crazy, right? Like even that felt a little bit uh, wild. Um, Mm. never would I have thought that this would have had the success that it's had. And, uh, it's been, it's been incredibly humbling to, to be on this journey. It's been fun. I mean, you know, Derek, you're very early supporter you know kevin when you came around it was just you know like just lots of love for this little squiggly line from you as well i I remember it you know quite well and um yeah it's it's still unbelievable to be clear it still does not feel real and i think that's something that i've kind of mentioned in a couple panels i think it's when this starts feeling normal that maybe we will start to be able to look And say yes this is actually something that can and will be a mainstream technology. i i believe that both of you guys are aligned with me that blockchain technology nft technology provable ownership of a digital asset isn't going anywhere it is very much going to dominate i think a lot of what our lives are in the future but there's a lot of things that could go wrong there's a lot of things that are not perfect about the system and um it will continue to feel unreal uh, I think until that whole system has been ironed out and we are seeing mainstream adoption of this
1: technology beyond just like, you know, the nerds that we are surrounded by that, yeah you know, got us here in the first place. I'm curious um, when I think about this project and I and Derek, I'd love to hear your take on this as well. But when I think about it and I'm saying this, not trying to just like uh, kiss your ass here, but like, I, I believe that in a decade uh, ish, and I'm already starting to see cracks in this area that this will be known as that the most important kind of early generative art piece that started a whole movement. Um, And that it will be that OG original piece that is going to be a must have for any serious NFT collector. So my bet, and this is not investment advice Do your own research is that these things will be a lot more valuable in the future. Uh, Even though they seem crazy now, I think ten years from now, it's going to seem really crazy. And one of the things, what part of my bet—and this is hard—I'm curious how you, you think about this, Eric. But part of my my bet is on you, in, in that you're doing such a good job going out and um, really going out and talking to traditional collectors and kind of bringing people along for the ride. And, and how much of that is like part of the plan? Like our. Are, do you consider yourself like a part promoter at the same time because you're doing a really good job at like making sure the traditional art industry understands the importance of this this sector and the space and at the same time your your collection as well man, it's so hard I mean like I do I, the other day someone said, you know thank
2: you for for building this space, thank you for your involvement. You know there's a lot of things that I like to shrug off as like being chance or being um you know like I feel very lucky that things have gone this way, but also. I have just busted my ass like de- like building yeah. in this space and 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 that's something that little by little I'm starting to feel comfortable taking not credit for, but like taking like accepting that, you know, yes, I did help build this space um to some degree. There was not, but maybe a hundred of us minting CryptoPunks. Uh I don't actually know what the stat is, maybe two hundred, I don't know. And um a lot of people disappeared during the really slow bear market between 2018 and 2020. And there wasn't that many of us here and and uh it 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 does feel like this has a lot to do with um some of um you know the the fact that there's people that were creating generative art for many years out of pure passion and that doesn't mean that you have to do it for money but people were making generative generative art out of pure passion for a really long time and um now they've been able to monetize that in a way that feels natural like you know Oftentimes, I talk about avoiding the square peg round hole phenomenon in the blockchain, blockchain, blockchain space. Like these people found a way to monetize and distribute their work in a way that felt natural and good and and the goodwill that that has imparted upon what used to be a very niche, small group of people, which has turned into a huge number of people, whether they are originally creative coders or originally engineers that found that they have a creative side or originally neither and just started from scratch because they were excited to participate in the space um there's vibe, there's good vibes there and i think that those good vibes just kind of like are actually embodied by a squiggly rainbow um just in and in and of itself and and i think that there's a lot of um, i don't know i guess there's you know I, I think that there is a vibe there where people are appreciating the efforts that i put into the space so
1: why did you decide to partner yeah. with uh, venus over manhattan for, oh man, for a lot of reasons. So number one,
2: uh, I like to reward genuine curiosity. Um, and so the only way I can reward people with anything at this point is my time. You know, I used to reward people with squiggles, but that was a different time. Um, and, you know, Adam Lineman approached me, um, actually when he approached me, he, he was actually not, you know, he, he's someone that's been around the space for a long time, the crypto space in general, and, you know, he, he, his approach uh, was actually during NFT week last year, um, at this Art Blocks uh, investor party that was thrown um, uh, on behalf of like Galaxy Interactive, and he approached me, and he didn't approach me with like, "Ooh, I love NFTs." He approached me with a little bit of skepticism, and I was like, "Yeah, let me let's talk about it." And we talked about it, and he, you know, I think I feel like I kind of got him. He, I don't think he was not excited about him, but I think I got him even more excited about him, and. We just started talking about what this means for art what it means for the art world what generative art means in the context of the art world and uh i felt that he was genuinely curious and interested um and someone from the art world like traditional art world that represents like I, you know like one of my favorite artists peter saul who's probably in his mid-80s and then he also represents you know artists that are no, no longer alive and sells like oil on canvas painting legit like like legitimizing this squiggly rainbow line that i created uh because it was meaningful to me to create it uh felt really special and it's huge it's really hard to be like yeah man thanks for giving me all this like advice and thanks for like supporting me and for making me feel special about all this stuff but uh i don't want to work with you like it just you know i feel like it was such a great opportunity to get to Reach a broader audience with the squiggle. And um, I think for him, there's a great opportunity for him to participate more meaningfully in the space. And, you know, I speak on branding stuff all the time these days. Like, there's a huge difference between someone that's buying a PFP, you know, saying, you know, and like just diving into the space and then doing this drop and not actually like participating meaningfully in the space, you know, like, um, you know, I often use you as an example, Kevin, like you were doing podcasts, like you were in, the you know, deep conversations with punk people like you, you know, whereas you have, uh, and no offense to some of these, but like you have some pretty big celebrity names that literally they, they buy a punk or an ape, they make it their PFP. And we already all know that there's like a drop coming, right? Like we, it's like the playbook has already been established and it probably worked once or twice, but it doesn't feel good. That is what I call like pushing into the NFT space versus being pulled into the NFT space, being pulled into the community. Like what is meaningful to me yeah. as someone that is actually um deeply, deeply, deeply ingrained in this space? And examples of that are getting more exposure for the Chromium squiggle. Why? Because we did not promise utility for squiggle holders, right? We promised art for the sake of art itself. But damn it, would I not be excited to know that people that own Chromium squiggles are uh, prouder because we did something with the squiggle or, or you know, prouder to be a part of the community or to own one or or whatever. So uh, Adam Lindemann offered an insane amount of background and support and encouragement with regards to the Kroomy Squiggle, um, kind of legitimized it beyond just an like an NFT, you know, um, really got me thinking about this concept that like, you know, generative art, NFTs can you know you can drop the word generative you can drop the word NFTs and it could actually just be part and you know you get I get a lot of messages like oh a three year my three-year-old can draw a better squiggle or whatever and you they probably can and I think that's great like I actually really enjoy it. it 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 shows a short-sightedness of like there there are maybe 10 different levels of depth of what this this chromie squiggle is and to be perfectly fair the the levels of depth have been built because of people like you, both of you guys, like the team that I get to work with, all of the artists that have participated in art blogs have built this like additional depth into what otherwise may have simply just been like a squiggly line PST. And um, yeah, I think that, hey, you know, Venus over Manhattan feels like a really wonderful organization to, to partner with just because they give me the time of day early. And You know there's also a little bit of resentment there was a gallery in houston i approached a long time ago and i said hey do you want to represent me as an artist and they're like you're not an artist you make craft because i was making these like sculptures um that took a lot of work and were very like refined and it took a long time to paint them and stuff and she's like that's not art that's craft and you know that's a whole other topic of debate of like whether illustration is art whether craft is art whatever uh but i always felt a little resent resentful of it because you know um I thought that I was making something that would be appealing for someone to look at. So to then have a New York gallery that represents fine art, that's relevant in the fine art space, uh, embrace a project that I've
0: made uh, is really is really special. Man, I love that. Um, Eric, let's maybe like let's let's um, pull on this thread a bit of you as an artist. You've got some work coming up uh, that you're going to be you're going to be showing in Mexico City at bright moments, um, would love to hear your early thinking on how you see yourself as an artist in the life after the Chrome squiggle. What does it mean to create work following up the Chrome squiggle? And what ideas in surface area are you most excited about exploring as an artist? Um, now that you have this new opportunity to mint a hundred pieces oh, um, in Mexico city, the place where you were born, going back home. Um, and, and bringing it all full circle, man, the,
2: the, level of intimidation of following up from the coming school is something I I've never actually felt that before. I'm sure that's something that people feel all the time when they are in sports or in, uh, you know, in like uh, media or the arts, but, um, there's a lot going on here. Like number one, um, the, the desire to make sure that I'm not just like, I do I will always have a common thread of color in my work, but it may not always be this like light sharted, cute thing, right? And um, especially if I'm I'm working towards kind of paying homage to the fact that I'm gonna do this in the city that I was born, I only spent six years in Mexico, but then I spent a lot of summers going back and seeing my family. And um, so, you know, Mexico is very dear to me. Um, Making sure that it feels relevant, to Mexico is so important, like, uh, to me, because I honestly, as much as I love bright moments and I love Seth and I would have died to see the lineup if I had, rege- if I had said no to the offer, like what happened with, you know, like when I saw the lineup for poop for grails one and I was like, oh my God, like I would have loved to for with all these like masters. Um, y- you know, it, it. It it was important to me to do it in Mexico City and therefore it was important to me that it was Mexico City uh, themed. And so it's not Mexico City themed necessarily, but there's a there's an inspiration that comes very much from Mexico City. Um, you know, the the the, the title of the piece is is gonna be called A hundred Untitled Spaces. And uh, you know, I don't wanna really get too deep into it, but um, you know, it's 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 an it's an homage to Donald Judd, it's an homage to, you know, Mexican architecture. And I think that um it gives me an opportunity to show that there's a little bit more depth to uh, my art than just like a, a signature, you know, which is what the, what the it's almost like I, like the Chromius Google would have been a really good piece to, to, to like trigger the release of After I Died, as morbid as that is, like as like an ending piece, not a beginning piece. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of, op- there's a lot of things, um, you know, and this is a recurring theme in art Artbox, right? When I have a crazy idea and then, We approach other people, other platforms. Hey, do you want to do this idea? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And in the end, we're just like, look, I'm tired of waiting for somebody else to do this shit. Like, yes, it sounds crazy. Yes, it's going to be hard to do it. Yes, it could fail because so can everything else. But I'm tired of waiting for someone to do it. So I'm just going to do it. And I think there's a lot of things that I have discovered in the concept of on-demand generative minting of the discovery of a work of art with the art, like standing next to the artist or being near the artist. Um, threads of like what makes a good generative artist a coder because he's he or she are coding their own work or because they can actually like direct and have creative ideas within that what what does it look like when an artist isn't actually utilizing generative art to create pixels on a screen purely because they can but they're using generative minting technology to create an experience that you could not have had before so one experience of generative minting technology is pixels on a screen it has been Proven to be a wonderful product market fit for humans to enjoy the concept of building and, for like you know, creating a, a work of art. But that cannot be the end of the line of what on-demand generative minting can offer this this world. And I want to I want to kind of bring all of those things together. I want to show like a depth of um of of thought thoughtfulness in the process. And I think when you see all of these parts come together, which you know, I was uh, very grateful to get a nod of approval from adam lidman which was like a terrifying thing to show show him you know because you know all he's seen so far is the squiggle and and then you know derek saw it earlier and gave me a nod of approval which gave me um uh, a lot of confidence um yeah it's just it's going to be a lot of fun i i i, I hope more, more than anything mm-hmm. and this is maybe you know a, a mistake but more than anything i just want to honor all the other artists that i'm I'm launching with that day. the The level of skill, talent, and and like passion for generative art that's contained in that drop is um, combined one of the like one of the most intense groups of generative artists in the world. And e- even if I've had a big impact in the NFT space, even if I've had a big impact in the generative art space, I still feel like a tiny, tiny person compared to all of those people. And I want to do them good. I want them to be proud that. My pieces in there, and not just be like, "Oh yeah, this is Snow first piece," because you know what I want. That's that's the most important thing to me, and also obviously to like pay homage to my heritage and to make sure that people that <laughs> mint this thing and pay all this money because it's not cheap to mint these things also feel
1: satisfied with their uh, with their work. I can't wait. I'm going to be there, Derek. You're going it now, so
0: I'm going. It's going to be wild. And um, I will say that just uh, having had the opportunity to to Work with Eric a bit and just see a bit about his process on this new piece. um can oh, say, you see it? um I've yeah,
2: seen I shared a it with bit. him this morning. Yeah. Oh, dude. Conceptually.
0: I mean, it's I've not heard rumors but. that
1: it's going to be a PFP generative piece, which uh, <laughs> I'm really excited. Eric, this is your first PFP. <laughs>
0: it's going to be 25,000 PFPs of uh, wormheads. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's wormheads, heads,
1: apparently. <laughs> um very excited for that. Um, I
0: think Eric is uh, is. I'm very excited because I think um, the piece is going to show his evolution as an artist while also being very deeply resonant of his of his previous work. And um, it shows just a maturity and an evolution
1: at that I'm just very excited for uh, for Eric to showcase to the world. I can't talk to either of you. I can't believe you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> this is killing me. This is killing me. This is an alpha show. we got to live Eric, can you give us any taste of what it's going to look like? Like any, any little hint? Is it full bleed, like color? Like, is it like, what's, what's going on? Anything? Any any little,
2: you know, I think, I think one thing that's really, that I'm really excited about is that there was uh, some algorithms that I released um, for the Artbox testnet a long time ago that, Mm -hmm. um, and I've said this so many times on podcasts, like I came to launch Artbox with three or four extra algorithms in my back pocket just in case nobody gave a shit and wanted to participate obviously you know i'm could not be more grateful that jeff davis decided to launch on day one you know my brother was with me for four years working on artbox as a concept and you know launched on day one but even he like had me you know release his script for him you know and you know let me just kind of i was like i think he had probably just heard me talk about it for so long and got pretty over it where i was like hey dude i'm just going to release I'm gonna like you know give me your ETH address. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and upload your script to our Blocks, and we'll, we're gonna do this release. Um, and so there, even at launch day, really before things sold out, I was like, you know, there's a there's a chance nobody else ever wants to drop on Art Blocks, and so I'm gonna have to have more algorithms ready to go. So one of the algorithms that I had ready to go is an algorithm that just purely from the intensity of what's happened with the Crooked Squiggle and just like the incredible body of work that's come from Art Blocks, I almost feel like they are not. In and of themselves worthy of being a full-on generative release especially with the anticipation that comes with um you know following up with the Chromium School. and so one thing that i'm really excited about is that i have found a home inside of one of these spaces or inside of these spaces of my algorithm um that i wrote that i i'm in there's a it's it's actually one of my favorite algorithms i've ever written it's incredibly simple like almost too simple and so, um, within this project, which is an algorithmically generated project, I will also be, there will be a painting on the wall and that painting on the wall will actually be this old algorithm that I wrote, uh, in preparation for launching R And so, um, they will communicate with each other and I just, yeah, I'm re- really excited for an opportunity to kind of bring
0: it's some incredible. history
2: into, into this piece. It's in, it's only an edition of a hundred and this algorithm is like literally one of the simplest algorithms you could imagine. And so it fits as a perfect addition of a hundred as well.
0: Very cool. Awesome. All
1: right. Should we move on to, have we grilled them enough, Derek? Or do you want anything else? <laughs> I
0: think so. I feel like we can let them off the hook. We just, we had to do it, Kevin. Oh my God. Like, I think we we
1: got... t- almost took up like an hour almost like we're 44 <laughs> minutes. into. This.
0: Oh my gosh. We had them on the show, dude. Minutes. Should we talk about, should we talk about some of the, the, the soup du jour, some of the stuff yes. that's happening this week? I think uh, Kev, you flagged earlier there's some stuff going down down with the uh, with the board Apes. What's going on over here?
1: Yeah I mean uh, essentially you know you've probably been if you've been on Tw- uh, crypto Twitter recently, you've seen this uh, Ben um warnings like that there will be a potential collapse to the NFT market. I think that's going a little a bit far, but um, there's there's certainly uh, some people that are leveraged on when it comes to their their board ape collection. Um, And there's it's not just apes. There's a couple other collections as well. But let me actually I'll pull it up here so we can we can see what's going on. So this is a uh, basically a liquidity protocol for NFTs. So you can come in here and you can say, I have one of these top tier collections, and I would like to get some ETH out. So you lock it up with them. Uh, You take a loan against it, and then you have to repay your loan in order to get your board Ape back or your CryptoPunk or your Doodles, uh, Azuki, CloneX. I mean, they've got uh, a bunch of them on here that they support. There are 270 active Board Ape Yacht Club loans. Uh, There are 301 Mutant Ape loans that are active. And it looks like because, you know, this being a, a crazy bear market that some of them are actually, you know, well, they are coming up and have the potential of defaulting, which means they'll be called on that. And what happens then is they transfer into um, an actual auction. So if if it trades below a certain price and the actual loan is being called, then they, uh, it kicks off an auction and this could create a cascade of sales um, that happen uh, from these, you know, over 500, uh, NFTs, which is, it's crazy. I don't think it's that big a deal. I, I think th- there's a lot of people saying, Hey, it's going to cause this general collapse of the market. And when I think about it, I mean, this is just good housekeeping. Like it's people that took out loans. They did it at the peak of the market. They're, you know, they're not going to pay them back. And so what does it hurt? I mean, yes, there could be a couple days of just a little bit of a sell-off, but I don't know. I I consider this stuff, like, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel that for me, I'm a long-term holder on these types of projects, right? If I'm holding a board Ape, I'm going to hold it for the next decade plus. Like, there's no reason that any type of blip like this would impact me. If anything, if I had a little bit of extra cash left, I'd be like, okay, it's now time to deploy some capital and come in, right? So um, I'm not as freaked out as most people are. Uh, I think, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about the board Ape crew and, um, you know, I, I think it's, it is what it is. It's just leverage uh, being corrected. So, but would love your guys' take on it.
0: Yeah, you want to you... go for it first,
2: Eric? Well, I mean, just, you know, I remember like scrolling through Twitter and there was this idea that, and man, I didn't realize that Dao existed, right? This is how much living under a rock I do. But um, there is this concept that, you know, it would trigger this auction, but then if the floor price goes below the auction, then they just take this kind of non- it's not a real loss. It's an unrealized loss because they're not actually losing money. But uh, I don't actually understand how these mechanics work. If I understand correctly, they're not taking into account a semi-black swan event, which it's not even a semi-black swan event. In 2017 to 2018, the value of my crypto portfolio went down by 99%. And yes, you can say it's because I'm a total dumbass. And I'm fine with admitting that. Like, But like that, it was it was those masternodes, Eric. Yeah, It was to, it had, was it was my Mew masternodes, man. My <laughs> my you know, however many Mew and Helium and Pivics and all that. Yeah, oh I gotta stay away from the had masternodes. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I mean like I can't I can't imagine that we're gonna have a ninety-nine percent or even a ninety percent drop in value on on these, like on the punks, right? Like you're gonna go from what was the the peak, 150 ETH to 15 ETH? No. I think that the floor price of a of a crypto punk will always bounce off of like the mid forty thousand dollar range. And I do love the one eighth equals one eighth ethos, but like I, I'm not I don't I don't buy that. I really think that there was a a a a trampoline at at roughly fifty thousand dollars for CryptoPunks, at roughly five thousand dollars for Chromie Squiggles, both of which were validated in the last couple months. Um and I just I find it hard to believe that a platform can can exist and maybe this is where I'm ignorant where a mechanism is in place that is not considering the fact that the floor price could actually go from 72 to 36 in a very short amount of time. I one cryptopunk has been sold in the last 24 hours. Like these liquidity crises are real for NFTs and 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 no, nobody's I think hiding or like denying the fact that even though there has been a lot of liquidity these are these jpegs are very illiquid assets in a time like this. And so I wonder, you know, kind of where the mindset i guess is to to think that a, that that an nft could somehow clear the barriers that 2017 2018 you know shitcoin markets did when people are scared they sell because they realize that they could have paid off their car if they might have just held like instead of selling it like held, holding on to this thing and i think that's something that's going to happen i think that it, it we're overdue for what it's worth i think it should have happened a long time ago and um uh,
0: or would have happened a long time ago. And we did have a small collapse, but I think now we're in it for like, uh, for the long run. So I will, I'll respond. I think this is a great point, Eric, and something that I think about quite a bit. I'll respond to that by saying, um, or at least asking, assuming everything of what you're, you're describing is true, that we do see these cascading selling events that happen very quickly without enough buyers in the market to kind of support these price levels from trampolining back up. Let's assume that that's true. Is there a price for some of these assets, and let's take Ape's as the vehicle here, where you, Eric, or you, Kevin, would step back in and start buying these things as people who may not be supporting these ecosystems currently, but as people who may have spare ETH looking at the relative comps of this project to others and saying, wow, I actually think this may be an interesting entry for me. And if the answer to that is yes, I'm
1: curious from both of you, what price does that look like for Board Apes? Kevin, do you own a Board Ape? Yeah, I no longer own a Board Ape as of like a year ago. So, because this is important. First of all, Board
2: Ape is a bad example here, Derek, because I still have PTSD from one of the first Art block's hype cycle collapses where literally in our Discord, there was like 25 Board Apes yelling at me about how <laughs> I had no idea how to run a crypto company and there was no utility and all this kind of stuff. So... Um, while I have nothing against board apes in general or the creators, like I still have like, you, you got know. some scar, you got some scar tissue there. <laughs> I do. And so like, I don't, I don't see myself owning a board ape, um, a, a, a anytime soon, but I guess just from like a purely fiscal perspective, like maybe there is a price at which I'd say, I'd say I would pay ETH for a board ape. Um, the- just, just because I feel like I have to complete my collection. I have every other NFT out there or every other type of NFT out there, except for a board ape and a, the dog and the, uh, mutant. And so.
1: Yeah, I'd probably 10 I'd I'd be willing to. Uh, I think fill that's my a good question. answer. What about you, Kevin? You know, it's I'm I'm kind of torn because I I love um I love the collection. I've met some some good apes. Uh, <laughs> there's I, I I didn't I wasn't drawn to the art initially, and that's why I didn't mint it or participate in it when it came out. But as it as time went on, and it became more a piece of our culture in the world of NFTs and it just be they built on uh i don't know they just kind of created these moments these cultural moments that i would say there's only in my mind uh in in the world of pfps there's only two that have flipped over to being like these mainstream like forever pfps that i think will you know be known and recognized as very important pieces to hold just for their historic value and i would say that's crypto punks and that's board apes um on the pfp side now uh you know i don't think we've made that obviously we haven't made their uh, made it there yet with moonbirds um but that's just being honest like we we have a, have a lot of work to do on the bored ape side if it wasn't if there wasn't so much of the value tied to the success of their metaverse i think i would be more excited about owning a bored ape just for the sake of having a piece of the art you know like i would like okay yeah i want that hanging in my wall i worry that on the metaverse side and I have no insight here they could mm-hmm. knock the ball out of the park it could be amazing right I've seen some of the demos and stuff like that they've clearly got a talented team around them building but it's a big to build a big game that's fun that meets everyone's expectations there's a lot there right and so if for some reason that doesn't work out and you piss off a couple thousand apes and they enter the market and they <laughs> they push down the prices. <laughs>
0: And they so, jump into the Discord. they the way they you jump said into y- 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 in the Discord. Yeah. They
1: jump into Art Discord because that's where we go <laughs> when we complain about <laughs> aboard apes. Um, th- I think that's that's those that those are troublesome. Like that's a, that's a big concern I would have, and I wouldn't want a whole one because of that. If it was just like like CryptoPunks, for example, it just you know they own that asset. Um, I would love to buy more punks. That sounds great, you know. So yeah. uh, I, I no wasn't too tied to the metaverse.
2: There was so. so you- Oh, go ahead, Eric. Well, I, I mean, just one quick note. I spent, you know, two years in the CryptoPunks Discord saying like a broken record. You know, people would say, what's your favorite part about CryptoPunks? And my response would be, there's not, it's a complete project. It's a touring complete project. Like there's no more promises. There's no more anything. Like the project has been completed. Yeah, we want them to continue maintaining the website. And they did. And they always kind of updated stuff. But like there was nothing more. And that felt very special to me. And that's exactly kind of what you're referring to here, Kevin. We're like, yeah the the board apes in and of themselves, I actually have grown to appreciate the art a lot more, especially as I met uh, all seeing Seneca and uh realized how just awesome of a person she is as well. but like um they they the, it, it is very hard to and you know as as you could probably uh, relate here, uh, maintain satisfaction through the concept of utility, and uh it's it's easy for something you believe is very meaningful to get misconstrued as something that's not. of of value to to someone.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. So the first is that um, I totally agree. There's just different ways to create value for these objects. Um, And baking utility into these projects is certainly one. It does come with risk to like the point that Kevin and you, Eric, are bringing up. Um, And so at that point, the question looks more like a venture style calculus of, do I want to park ETH in this thing that has a potential upside? Or am I willing, or is the risk adjusted return profile of this object such that I'm leaning out just based on the risk that gets baked in when you have teams working on things that have deliverables. I would say, uh, there's other objects where that doesn't exist. And I think this is what you both are flagging, Eric, uh, and, and Kevin with the punks, right? So like, and we've talked about it a bit on the show, this idea of like no external dependencies. And I think one of the things we saw during this dip, this trampoline effect that you were talking about earlier Eric, around, um, over the last couple of months is there was this recognition by the market that um, utility in a time where, they, where things were kind of a little bit softer, maybe acted more like a bug and not a feature. And it was these projects that had no external dependencies, things like Chromey Squiggles, things like Autoglyphs, things like CryptoPunks, and a number of other projects that we saw kind of double or triple in price, uh, their ETH based priced over the same period, um, which was a uh, pretty interesting phenomenon to see. The other thing I'll say, is just getting back to this, like the psychological price that both of you would enter into Board Apes as not being um, consumers of that brand or that product today. I do think that there is some price by which you, Eric, and you, Kevin, would buy a Board Ape, and maybe it is closer to 10 ETH. But like, I think the larger point is there is psychological floors that exist for people that are within these communities, and um, these floors are very rarely tested. But in moments like moments of crisis, like they start to get flushed out. And we've seen crypto punks trampoline over and over and over and over and over again over these last few years around these psychological price marks. Um, and it's usually, you know, they, they, it's like they step up over time. But I do think that, um, something that is important to pair with your, with like the conversation here about like the cascading effect is like, what is the role of group psychology? and the, you know, like how we value these things within these collections that everyone around us values and that we value, and where do those show up as price supports during moments of crisis?
2: Well, I mean, I, a point that I'd make on that, I'd, I'd fall, I'd say that that societal value would fall into almost like a content category versus a technological category. And, you know, this is a, a someone asked me for a, a hot take like a, during F-T week, and I said, look, last year, of the value of NFT was based on the technology. 25% was based on the content. This year, we're inversing that. And now the content actually matters. And the content is, whether it's like artistic content, whether it's utility, whether it's whatever, but community and support like that is actually part of that content. It is built into that content. And, you know, that's something, for example, I don't own a Doodles, but Doodles is actually the one NFT that I always kind of wish I owned and I don't own. And, um never i just never got to that and i will eventually especially watching you know I, I was at south by and i saw that doodles thing and i was like fuck i want to doodle so bad <laughs> like i just um and but there were 13 ETH and i was like no I, I just so they're getting closer i think maybe my my floor on a goo, uh, doodles would be like around five beats maybe if i jump into one um 6.99 right now we're getting
0: there um 6.99 eric, eric it's calling the siren song of doodles is calling But that content
2: thing i think is important man the content whether the content is utility whether the content is artistic content whether the content is like a jaw-dropping 3d rendering of rock you know uh whether the content is a rocket that you're literally seeing a very busy very uh, uh famous and successful artist literally launching off of a pad in the city of New York, like whatever that content is, that content is now, in my opinion, going to drive the value of NFT significantly more than the technology. And that's just part of what happens with a hype cycle of technology. Uh, there will be 4 trillion NFTs one day. Maybe by next year, there'll be 4 billion NFTs. And at that point, the technology doesn't matter. In fact, we will stop using the words NFTs, we will stop using the word blockchain. And we're just going to assume that all digital assets have this technology. So, um, oh, that's another one that I've always kind of thought was cool, Cool Cats.
1: This is, I was curious what's going on with Cool Cats because, you know, I can't point to anything that I've heard of why they they took such a, a plunge. I mean, obviously we're in a horrible bear cycle right now, but does anyone have any, do you, Derek, do you know what's going on here?
0: You know, I think they launched a couple of projects um, within the collection that just didn't get the uptake, or w- didn't satisfy the community. I think in ways that they were hoping, and so it's been somewhat of um of an execution, um an execution problem that's kind of getting baked into the price here. I I don't own any cool cats. I've kind of been watching from afar for a long time. This was one project at one point that um, seemed to have was was seemingly starting to like make its way into like that second tier mm-hmm. of uh, of premier PFP collections, but. Um, I don't have any other knowledge other than I know a couple of the uh the launches that they did didn't take like they were hoping um but but things may have changed, and there may be new things on the roadmap and progress here being made that I just can't speak to er- Eric um curious, just like in line of the, uh, with this conversation, I know you thought a lot about cryptopunks uh, you at one point were not just an important part of that discord um but you were also a large collector, a zombie holder, uh, and, um, and a steward for the project. And, and over time became close with the larva labs folks. That project is now, you know, it changed, right? So now it's owned by Yuga. Um, I got two questions for you. The first is, and they're both, they both pull at the thread of, of that exchange. The first is, I think a lot of folks are wondering, is larva labs going to keep making work? They for the long the longest time they were the premier studio of pushing the the pushing at the edges of what this space was from a technical and creative and cultural perspective. They just could not miss, and I think a lot of folks are left wondering: Are the Larva guys going to keep making work, and um, are they interested in continuing to make work, and will we see new work from Larva again? And then the second question is. Has your view of crypto punks changed at all, um, seeing this, this, um, this shift over to Yuga and, and what they're building over there? That's deep dude. Um, I, I do think that Larva Labs will
2: do more work. I think that, um, Larva Labs is a victim of this insane amount of entitlement that has overcome our space. The a similar concept of me like kind of having a bad vibe for so long for board apes which is no longer there but like for so long I mean literally for like 6 months I'd see a board ape and be like man that person's probably an asshole like I mean just and it's not because I'm like it's just it literally is a, a reaction to the way that you know things happened and uh now I've met like you you guys have met like I've met so many amazing board apes that I realized just how stupid that was but um the the one time I had the opportunity to to walk for like a full hour with Matt Hall down the streets of New York and, uh, you know, it was discussed that like, I think there are very few people in this world, barring politicians and celebrities, and even that kind of feels like it's coming when it's coming, that have had the level of intense, acute community um, uh, reactions that Larva Labs has had, that Artblocks has had, that Proof and Moonbirds has had, um, mm-hmm. happy to join you there, that Yugo Labs has had. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on panels in the past is that, um, you know, creators, I think now don't have any excuse. Like now a creator should very well brace themselves because if their project is successful, period, they will have ups and downs. There is no such thing as the up only. I mean, I know that we're in the up only space sometimes, but there is no up only and every project is going to have its ups and downs and you are going to get your ass handed to you no matter how hard you try it, no matter how much passion you have for your project. And I think what happened is that, you know, Larva Labs got their ass handed to them so many times for something that I don't even feel like they had control over other than, you know, not wanting to give up their IP, which to this day, I feel like that was a mistake, you know. Um, because to me, you know, and I, I mentioned this the other day. What's there? Seeing Larva Labs and 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 uh, Yuga owning punks, uh, y- you could you could offer me and ins- like the world for my collection of mebits punks and autographs when it's owned by Larva Labs, and the answer is literally no. I would not sell my collection. Like that is going to my kids and my grandkids. It or the Smithsonian. You know, Yuga Labs are, they're, they're not my parents. Like Matt and John were my parents in, in this space and my upbringing in this space. Like, you know, you are not my father. And, and it's no longer that connection. You know, you, I'll give you an example. When people get their squiggle scammed, they message me to apologize that they got scammed, which is always like this really troubling thing to read because A, I'm really sad about it. Not sad for me, sad for them. But B, they message me because they're like, I just want you to know that I wasn't selling it. I just want you to, I just want to make oh, sure that geez. you know that I was not like flipping this gift that you gave me. And I find that meaningful. Like there is a connection between the creator there. there. This is partly why squiggles have had success. I think that I've demonstrated an empathy and an understanding of the space and on what it means to have these things. And to me, a lot of labs not giving up their IP of CryptoPunks was that demonstration of understanding that they had created something so special and so valuable and so artistic and uh, revolutionary that they didn't have to give up their IP. They created this thing and then the world came to take that away from them. And I think they got tired of getting beat up over it. And I think that they're gonna take a much longer break than, you know, anybody else would. But I absolutely think that they'll come back and create something in this space. I don't see them necessarily launching another platform. But who knows, you know, I, my, my dream would be that they would launch an art blocks project, right? Like they are generative artists and I would love to see them release a project on art blocks. or, you know, if, 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 if PFP blocks ever uh, came around, (laughs) you know, maybe they could be project zero of whatever PFP blocks is, even though I, you know, maybe they want to get away from PFPs and be more in the fine art world. Um, but yeah, that connection, that emotional connection with the, with the work, uh, it, the IP for CryptoPunks has turned into a more commercial commodity, period, by being sold. And so owning CryptoPunks no longer feels like a, you know, uh, participating in a revolution as much. It still does a little bit as much as owning a very valuable commodity. I now feel like I own a very valuable commodity, whereas before I didn't uh, because I would never have sold them uh, or at least my collection I would never have ever sold. And you know to that that collection is something that even after all the IP stuff I continued to grind for because it was very meaningful for me to own one of every kind of mebit, one of every kind of autobot and one of every kind of punk with the exception of the alien which I only own 10% of. Um but yeah, I mean that's <laughs> no, uh, that's still bothering you at well, all. It's dude, still,
0: what a <laughs>
2: it like drives me absolutely that crazy, dude. I need I need I need punks to dump so that aliens are a million bucks or something and then like right, i'll let's, let's i'll get, get a mortgage on my
1: house uh to <laughs> get a to get an alien what is an alien c- running for right now do you know there it's hard to put a value to it i'd say probably
0: 20 million bucks maybe 10 these days i think the last one the last one went
1: for 15 15 right okay.
0: yeah, uh, i might maybe. be wrong
1: on that let's see here aliens here yeah, there's two available for sale we can buy one right now 16.09 how do you like this one <laughs> This one I love that one. That actually, to me, is the number one CryptoPunk of all time.
2: Because uh, if you talk about what made, you know, there's like the narrative of, you know, is a seven trader worth more than an alien? Because there's only one seven trade punk and probably because it's more rare. But to me, there was a difference between imposed rarities, like in, in inferred rarities. Like Larval Labs isolated this CryptoPunk in their original description and said there's even an alien punk smoking a pipe. And to me, they, by highlighting that, that to me, from when I started my journey was the most famous crypto punk of all time. So to me,
1: this is actually the most valuable crypto punk or the most valuable alien for Do sure. Do you think Let me... that that's be, oh, so all right, go ahead, Kevin. One quick question there. This is a real serious offer. We have a chance to make history at this moment right now. If I can get this punk for you, I'm not kidding at all. Would you trade me for your remaining mints? Oh my God, Kevin! That's a crazy. That's a
2: crazy proposition. First of all, a hundred of my remaining mints are going to my children, so that's already. Um, so what know, we got two fifty left. Two twenty five. Yeah. Two twenty five, and the last ten uh, squiggles are are promised to be revealed later. Um, but yeah, so that leaves you with two fifteen.
1: To we could raise a little mini fund to do this, man. Let's do Ooh, it. God. I'm starting you, I can to sweat. sweat this.
2: Something, <laughs> something's going. Yeah. Something's you happening can, here, folks. You could probably get one for ten million these days. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, an, an
1: alien. Um,
2: I bet man, you, if we dropped wild. a ten
1: million dollar offer on this one right here, they'd accept it.
0: Who owns it? This one. This one was owned by um, Perugia, right? Or it is? is or I think was. this is Peru. I think this is Perugia's age.
2: Yeah, it's Perugias. Yep. Wow,
0: or Perugias uh, alien. alien. That's, um, that's a
2: that's a wild proposition, sir. I mean, that would just be. Of, I could complete my like my. I, I could I could just retire from collecting NFTs at that
1: point. I just it's too there. Then you don't have to worry about the mints anymore. You just you know mint them out. Derek and I will 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 be really responsible. We won't on we'll the market. We'll, we'll be
0: very good stewards. We'll be very good stewards. Sure, you'd be great
1: stewards. One one of the things I want to do with the
2: remaining mints, though, which I think y'all might enjoy or appreciate, is that I'd like to, and I'm working with the Artblocks team to hopefully make this happen, I'd like to mint at least 50 of them uh, using the Now and Style Minter. So we're working at Artblocks to create a Now Style Minter for minting generative art. Um, and and the alpha
1: coming fun. out on the show. Wait, but so there's no pre, guarantee that, that would happen. Yeah, so they would pre-reveal. Wait, I, it, I want Artblocks to- You buy to, and then it and then it reveals in real time. No, well, I want Artblocks,
2: if I had my way, I would have Artblocks, generate a create a mentor where you had the choice to pre-reveal or post-reveal but the choice would be based on whoever won the last auction so settling an auction would either trigger a pre-reveal or post-reveal auction for the next one um but
0: the there is quite a bit of uh well first of all we're drowning in our blocks with a bunch yes, of initiatives but, J- but, but jake your cto is brilliant and he's going to make this happen <laughs> 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 All right, you should have him on the show next, and then like, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think. Dude, uh, uh, a dude squiggle the alpha that's squiggle. getting dropped right now is crazy. <laughs> so, like, there's gonna be. A, I, from what I'm hearing, Eric, there's gonna be a noun style minting experience for 50 it, of the remaining unrevealed chromie squiggles. It would be my dream. Now, whether that actually
2: happens, and and whether that happens in time with uh you know a a commitment that i've made to mint uh like where squiggle 9999 uh is has been promised to an, an an entity um and like what the timeline is for that to happen and then also uh what the timeline is for just art blocks being able to like execute on something like that but yeah it would be really fun to do that and uh i think that it would generate a ton of, of money. And a lot of that, if not all of that, but at least a significant amount of that would go to charity. And I think that would be a really fun way for a charity to also participate and cheering this on like every, cause it'd be one a day the way, the way nouns is. Right. So one a day, it would be a conversation for 50 days. And then we, then we get out of everybody's hair. Like, I don't want to like do this forever, but you know, I would, I, I would take a little bit of you know, bandwidth from the community for 50 days while we watch those 50 schools invented. I, I think, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And if you see like a hypervariate and kind of see what that means for that auction to exist, I just think it'd be so much fun. It, it would be, it'd be a wonderful way to see them go at this point. I'm getting sentimental to see them go, you know, like I don't, I want them gone. I need them gone. I need to move on. But, uh, I also like am getting sentimental, uh, because it's been, it's been crazy.
0: Eric, um, just to tie it back to to your collecting style and the squiggles, did you, you've you've been on record as saying you own a complete set of CryptoPunks? You own a complete set of Mibits. You own a complete set of Autoglyphs. I don't think there's anyone in the world that has done the hat trick. I think you may stand alone in that feat. Do you or would you ever own a complete set of Chromie Squiggles? Of course, I would love to own a complete set
2: of Chromie Squiggles. I, I there's a there's a very very clear moment in history that I regret, that I will regret forever, which is uh, a good collector and friend, uh, Von Mises, offered me early on. I mean, early when it still felt like a lot of cash um, for one single squiggle, uh, he offered me a uh, hyperbolt for, I want to say it was either $20,000 or 20 ETH. I can't remember. And I remember being like, dude, thank you. Like, I would love that. But at that time, I literally didn't have the, the liquidity to do it. If I had the hyperbold, I would now be chasing that hyperpipes just like I am the alien, and it, it's it, it's hard to know that it's out there <laughs> without knowing
0: that you can't actually. Do, own it. do you, do, you know all of the four Do you know all of the four hyperpipe owners? Like do you, are you familiar with all four of them? I know three of them. You know three of them. Yeah, there's
2: one that I don't know that we ever
0: do you know the four? I think I do. Oh, cool! Well, we can I... de- we can debrief offline. I think uh, oh, there cool. is one the fourth that yeah. I, that I recently found that I think holds that fourth hyperpipe. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, we well, we can uh, we can sync up offline. But I do agree that is kind of the those they are they the are. four hyper those are the four hyperpipes. Gosh. Why it's do you guys, guys love these so them,
1: much? Man. I mean, is it? I haven't seen the anime. These
0: on. are the from a pure visual statistical rarity. These are the rarest hyper, yeah, like uh, squiggle. The, they were exists. they
2: were only supposed to be two or three, and there's already four, which is interesting. Like from a purely statistical standpoint, but um, also I think why I love it so much is because I I knew of the existence of all the other hyper variants before I launched Kirby squiggles. I did not know that a hyper pipe was possible. That's cool. Or, yeah. I mean, technically it could have been possible. I just, it never crossed my mind that it would exist.
1: I mean, this is my shit right here. Look how beautiful that is.
0: <laughs> the hyper slinky is beautiful.
1: It's so good. <laughs>
0: it's good, man. <laughs> I love it. Do you have any hypers, Eric? I have a lot of hypers. I do. I have um, yeah. Uh,
2: two, fuzz, two hyper fuzzies, two hyper ribs, a hyper slinky. Am I missing a hyper type? I don't have a hyperbold and I don't have a hyperpipes. Hyperbolds are legit. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man.
0: Yeah. I remember when that so, thing got minted to the Squiggle Dow. So a there's how many hyperbolds left or how many hyperbolds have been minted, Eric? Uh, this is the second rarest. Five five hyper. Or
2: six, I think.
0: Um, I think there's six. Look at that beast. That is beautiful. And one <laughs> of them is owned by Squiggle Dow. Squiggle <laughs> Dow owns one. Yeah. Um.
1: I think I know the owners of a couple more. Very uh, cool. My, my co-founder at Proof just bought uh, his first Chromie Squiggle yesterday, thanks to Derek's oh. coaching. So Whoa! Which exciting. one did he do,
2: what, Was it just a
1: regular squiggle? Which one? did was a
2: regular.
0: He was a regular squiggle, yeah. very aesthetic, uh, very like. I was trying to explain to him, like, dude, there's some really beautiful fuzzies close to the floor. There's some really beautiful day zeros. There was the 49th ever minted. Chromey squiggle that was like close to the floor yesterday that we were looking at. And he opted uh, to pay a slight premium for a very beautiful aesthetic floor squiggle, which like I've seen this over and over again. These, these aesthetic floors are just, um, I mean, they really win the hearts of people. I'd love to, uh, you know, sometime with a little bit more time drill into that because I,
2: I, I definitely see some often that I'm just like, whoa, that's a good squiggle. But that doesn't mean that I don't like the other squiggles, but some of them really do stand out as like just solid squiggles. In fact, if you scroll up to the top there, uh, the, one of my favorite squiggles of all time is the, is the, uh, now I'll go back to, is the kind of the PFP of the collection at the very top. Oh, the very top, this one here. Yeah. It's from yeah. Mm. 1981. And that's like one of my favorites just because it's got some symmetry to it. But
0: I remember back in um, December of 2020, there was a, point in time where you had mentioned in the discord there's maybe only a handful of us in there paying attention that you were going to do a squiggle competition that you and mara your wife were going to judge that's I don't right. think that ever it happened fl- it, Did it didn't
2: and that's something that comes up pretty often it's on it's actually on this to-do list it's on like my forever to-do list and the competition was going to be a floor squiggle competition and it's still going to happen i think it, the the winner was going to the top 10 winners were going to win a infinite objects uh, signed so you know i i promised that i would do 50 max signed infinite objects and like the venus over manhattan infinite i just have a little kind of like signature but it's all the same it's not like the, an actual like ink on paper so uh i gave uh top 10 squiggle holders each got one top 10 um what was the other one? There was every, it, it was, was every
0: it was no it was number one hundred five
2: hundred, six hundred, seven hundred, one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand. So they got one. And then the last one was going to be picking the top ten uh floor squiggles. And I think with some support, we could pull that off. And I think that'd be a lot of fun to do. So you know, maybe that's awesome. something that I can get uh Dows. support on. Um yeah.
0: Uh, do we still have a couple more minutes to to roll through some other stuff? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Eric, would love to hear your your latest thinking um, on, uh, on a couple of the big topics that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, number one is the CCO stuff, and uh-huh. number two is royalties. These seem to have been like the two big <laughs> uh, topics that took over NFT Twitter over the last few weeks. Curious if you got hot, hot takes here. Look, CC0, I think,
2: I think has a place in this world. And I just, you know, this is one of those things that I just think Kevin just has, you know, the some serious courage and X copy both to have like assigned that to their projects. I don't have the courage. That doesn't mean there's something inherently wrong with it. I'm just not courageous enough to do it. And I'm 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 awake. Uh, my, my thoughts on it are just the, the fear of, um, you know, a of some group that does not align with my values, um, uh, taking a project and running with it. And, you know, I think there's a lot of arguments against that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but ultimately, I think what's the most important thing here is that a creator should have control over that narrative. And so, you know, Kevin, you assigned it to your project, Xcopy assigned it to their project like there was no i mean maybe the community was pushing for it i don't know um and i think where the narrative really fell sideways and the reason that i actually kind of resented cc0 early on was because of how much yelling there was and how much intensity there was around like bullying creators into backing into that license where i you know it kind of it really kind of stressed me out saying that it's not really decentralized if If it's not CC zero, well, what do you define by decentralized? Like it is available for listing on a marketplace. It is something that's in your wallet that nobody can take away from you in terms of like what you purchase as an NFT, but you know, that's a very long debate. The, the other side of it is, um, yeah. Like what if it gets appropriated by someone that you're not comfortable with purely stating as a creator, Hey, I don't like a white supremacist group for appropriating my project. Um, is in contradiction of associating that license. Like you can say that, you can definitely say that. You can say, "Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't dig that my project is being uh, appropriated by a white supremacist group." But you can't denounce it because you've given up the license. And I, I just fear you can that denounce it, right? You can't stop it. But denounce. I mean, to me, denouncing it is antithetical to granting the license. I mean, sure, you can, you can say and denounce whatever you want. But like, if you really are assigning that license to me, the denouncing of it is kind of like saying, well, then why'd you, you know, why'd you give it that knowing full and well that, it that some group yeah. can do it.
1: I, I love think- how, um, did you see X copy's tweet about this? He said so many hate groups out there looking for CC zero, uh, PFPs to use. Like <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> but yeah, you know, so but you, you know, know what? Sh- Sherlock Holmes is also CC zero or so is Cinderella. Like you could like, why isn't Cinderella like a white because- supremacy? Like, but a lot of people haven't. So here's a couple of things. Cinderella
2: is not at the forefront of pop culture right now, and neither is Sherlock Holmes. Um, a lot of PFPs. That's are. a good point. Like, there's, there's a chance that, like, this is the, like, a- oftentimes people are like, what do you mean someone paid $6 million for the Goose Ringer? I'm like, arguably one of the most famous PFPs of all time. I mean, PFPs, uh, one of the uh, arguably one of the most famous NFTs of all time, arguably one of the most famous generative artworks of all time. Like, you at the scale at which the world has embraced and also recognized and see these works um you are I- introducing a lot of people to this to this uh really quickly when it's i was running i just think that if i was running a hate group and i was thinking how am i going to rile as many feathers how am i going to ruffle up as many feathers as i possibly can right now because that's what they do right like to a degree that's kind of like this they thrive on that like You know what I would do? I would take a CC zero project and I would just, for the same reason that people stormed the white house and supposedly that was like a peaceful thing. Like there's narratives that are built around everything and people love to celebrate these narratives. And that's fine. I, to me, everybody should just kind of mind their own business. But, um, isn't that kind of what
1: happened with the Pepe though at the same time?
2: Yeah. And what about like the, the grateful dead bear, like turn into like pedo bear and, you know I mean the
0: truth is is like
2: you can't these stop hate that stuff, though.
0: you can't stop it they're, they're the hate you groups
2: that absolutely um, can't stop it but you can you I believe that you're you are sacrificing your privilege
1: to denounce it by granting that license Yeah because, I mean the the hate groups are definitely not using the the trademark office to like look and be like or the, yeah. the copyright <laughs> office and be like mm. what's CC what's C C O yeah, this one's no let's go with this one all all
0: right, here. but all all right, right, <laughs> we got C C O binder here we got to we, pick we, one by the end of the day we, we I found totally the one get we found
2: that. the one but in in a but the bigger this conversation gets maybe the more it's gonna ha- end up in somebody's lap and they're gonna be like oh shit look at this like
0: so pop, there's so, a lot of culture here. Eric, I think you bring up, so where I do net out on this is, I think as long as there's some marginal value to CCO, not CCO, restricted rights, revocable licenses, irrevocable license, all of this stuff should deserve to exist. I think creators should have the ability Absolutely. to use whatever yeah. whatever tool in the toolkit that they want to use to 100%. isolate their work as it stands out against others or proliferate as much as they can based on the values or the merits of what they're trying to accomplish. But that said, I also have the same view that um, you know, what what you want to do in protecting the Chromey squiggle, because it's a standalone art piece. You want you 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 created this piece um to like from art from an artistic perspective, and it will stand alone in that artistic perspective. And you as the author of that work want to protect that artistic merit of the work over the next, you know, over decades. And that I think is uh commendable. I think that is definitely an approach that 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 can be taken. I would say for other projects um, that understand the power of the internet and understand the power of the internet in concert with the fact that we can now prove that owners own these objects. If you're not thinking about networking your asset as much as possible in this new paradigm, you may be structurally putting yourself at a disadvantage. And CCO platforms this IP and allows it to proliferate outside of like the constraints of, 6,000 holders or 7,000 holders or 8,000 holders into an audience that can build on top of it in the tens of millions or hundreds of millions and at the end of the day all of this stuff should exist like creators should be using all of these different tools in the toolkit to achieve very specific outcomes i agree 100 percent.
2: and that's what it just comes down to guts like i don't have the guts to to go down that path you know uh mr rose does and i think that and xcopy does and i i i literally watch the tide of intensive you know, reactions to both thinking, yeah. oh man, because I know what it feels like. That's the only, yeah. that's actually the only pity I have yeah. towards you or Xcopy or anyone that got a lot of shit for that is just because I know how it feels to like make a decision and literally people that think they know everything about everything telling you how to run your your thing. Yeah. It's actually I, quite I, the opposite. Like it's kind of like the debate about IP for CryptoPunks. Like they didn't want to give it up. People fought them, fought them, fought them. You want it to do cc0 like you are the creator do what you want with it like everybody needs to stop getting in other people's businesses you know like it just feels like people should respect what the creator wants and and you have the guts to do that and i and i do i, I very much support um you doing that and i very much support anyone that out of their own volition makes their project do exactly what they want their project to do i, I mm-hmm. do yeah, well, so much support for that
1: there's two things I know for certain one is we definitely could have handled it better and communicated it in a better way that would I think <laughs> gone a long way there was actually a lot of support day of in terms of like going there it was it was just the, the, the way that we messaged it that I would go back in time that would be the thing I fixed. I think the other thing I know to be true is that we are not going to become, we're not going to, when I talked earlier today about that, that kind of chasm that you have to cross to be this durable, long-term cultural moment PFP, which is what PFPs have to do if they're going to make it over the long term. Crypto um, CryptoPunk's Sport Apes made it. We're not going to get there by just copying their playbook or anyone else's playbook, right? It can't be just doing the same Yuga playbook. That's not going to work for us. So we have to like go out and figure out what is our playbook here. And I think that the beauty of CC0 is it says nothing is off the table and it opens up to the entire world to help us figure that out at the same time, right? We're still going to go and push really hard and figure it out on our own, but now we're just armed with another several thousand people that are also doing the <laughs> same thing with us. So we're, I don't know, we'll see We'll see where it goes, you know, I, yep. but I, I'm with you, Eric, in that, like, I don't think the next PFP or the next art project has to be CC0. I'm like a, not a diehard maximalist in any way. I think it's just what we're gonna try, and we wanna we wanna take on. We like risk, you know. We we think that's that will be. <laughs> I mean, why not? Dude, this is like the first inning of Web I mean, Three. Are fair. we really yeah. gonna be like, oh, we're too scared to touch a no. pixelated yeah. owl?s Like, let's I mean, go yes, crazy.
2: Z, I am, but you are not, and that, again, it's that's freaking awesome. And ultimately, you and Xcopy and a couple others will 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 be the. Uh, the precedent setters, and we will all learn from this. And that's, I think, where the guts come from, right? Like being hey, willing we're... to be the ones that that we all learn from. And we are either going to learn that it is the most strategic thing that you could possibly do right. in the world of NFTs. Uh, clearly, everybody after that will just do it uh, or there will be some more tr- struggles along the way. And, you know, it's kind of like the freaking just general IP rights precedents. Now, I think you have some bored apes taking stuff to court, but like before that, it was a budget people just arguing about something that had no legal precedent because nobody had taken this to court yet. And nobody had even like tested these boundaries. We're just now testing these boundaries. We're just now seeing it with very uh, uh, intense people. Generally, the people that own the board Apes, Um,
1: um, you know, anyone has their financial wealth tied up in a PFP, you know, they're You know, that's absolutely. absolutely. And you're messing with people's money. You get, that's that's tough.
2: There's two financial welds tied up to a PFP those that ground or grinded their way up to that PFP, and those that actually took money out of like hard earned savings accounts, cash to get that PFP. And there's both of those people operating on the ecosystem with the same long term goals, I assume, but very different exposure levels. The difference is that exposure level is the one that did the grind all the way up to that pfp at it's that effect of like you know you're at a casino like at, or what there was that game show where you could like you know call it you know but like you when you take the money when you take it off the table because if right. you're grinding it's like uh, eventually the idea is that you cash out well if you never cash out that you know that's 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 the hard part. Whereas the the people that bought into this from like hard earned cash or savings, it's it's just a different, it's just a very different scenario. It's really, uh, it's it's hard to appreciate. But I I know people on both sides of that fence, and you know I'm a I'm a I'm a grinder for sure. You know, like I'm someone that got to uh, collect stuff based on my success in the NFT space purely. There's no way that I could have bought
1: a, uh, you know, dissected me bit. It just no way. So Love it. Um, I have to wrap things up because I have to jump onto yet another podcast with the proof uh, <laughs> parliament that I'm about to do right next uh as a Twitter spaces. <laughs> but uh Eric, this has been awesome. Like this we learned a lot. There was a lot of alpha on this one, Derek.
2: Oh man, I want to do I this know. more
1: often. This is fun,
2: guys.
0: this this, this feels like uh nostalgic somehow. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> we, w- so ke- Kevin and I are going to be doing a recording when we're out in Marfa um, for the Arp Walks I can't event. I'm so maybe, see you guys maybe you with can Martha. join us on stage for a little bit of that, Eric. Oh man,
2: that would be so much fun! Can we please have the mountains in the background?
1: Oh, oh yeah. well, you might do I it we, indoors. We, you might we, we it. can
0: make that indoors. worse. Right. Oh, we
1: can do it outdoors. Yeah, well, we, we should do actually a live recording. That'd be fun to have some people show up and that and would come be out awesome and, and set up a little stage and stuff. Maybe I know in the backyard of the house, Eric, or something like. I know, I know a good five acre piece of land that would also be good. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, you got your new place, Derek. You, we got to do that, right? We got That's the, true. We yeah. got Glitch
0: Gallery down the glitch street from gallery. our box. Can't believe yeah, Glitch so Gallery we'll, uh, we'll, mm. we can we can do the recording there, Eric. You're going to swing by for that, um, and we'll get a part two going out in Marfa.
1: Sweet. Glitch Gallery is such a good name, man. I'm so, it is so good. up with that. Yeah. And you saw his <laughs> work, Eric, artwork. It's like
0: I know. I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm uh, Eric. Knows I'm a diehard uh, Snow Fro lover. I can't help it. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. But
2: the feelings are mutual for, and you know, you guys are awesome. And the, the, the amount that you guys have impacted and contributed to not just our blocks and the Crummy Squiggle, but like this space as a whole, it, it, it's something that you can't, you almost can't put into words. So I'm, I'm infinitely grateful for you guys and for all of the support and for helping, helping completely ignorant people like me be able to build something out of, out of, out of nothing. So I'm, I'm super grateful. and
1: Um, thanks. Can't wait to join you in Mexico City, man. That's going to be fun.
2: People need to come out.
1: Tacos and mezcal. It's not too late. It's going to be great. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. That is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.